What was it? Studio visits with Jake and Jenna. Hey, I'm Jenna's co-host Jacob. And I'm Jacob's co-host Jenna. And this is Studio Visits, the podcast where we get together with our friends and fellow artists. We bring them into the studio, sit them down, talk, a thing, talk about things like process, their inspiration, uh, their life in Bloomington, teaching, all that sort of stuff. And today we're joined by Luke Euling, ukulele player, ceramic sculptor, Pennsylvania native, and second year ceramics MFA at the IU School of Art, Architecture, and Design. Say hey, Luke. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thanks for coming. Uh, sorry I got started a little late. That's cool. You know, here we are. <laughs> here we are. We've made it. Um, yeah, so we're doing another one. It's been a while, but we're, we're back at it. Yeah, back in the swing of things. Um, so you just had a crit, right? I did just have a crit. Uh, yeah, my first crit of the uh, second year, you know, first semester, second year, and it went really well. It went really great. So um, why do you think it went well? <laughs> My thoughts yeah, are different. What, no, <laughs> no, I'm just what crit Damn. Were you <laughs> no, uh, yeah, just what went, what are you excited about after crit? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I think whenever uh, I first came here, I think they just progressively get better. Uh, the the first one, um, I got I got some feedback, but I thought it was really um, combative in a way. And then the second one, it was like a little bit less. And then the third one, it's just like they. It's it's almost like we're getting to know each other more the longer that we know each other. You know, that's kind of that's crazy. Crazy. <laughs> crazy to think about. But uh, um, you know, we're they're learning more about me and they're learning more about my work. I think <clears throat> the the feedback that you know my peers and my professors give is just it's getting more rich and rich every single time. So it's uh it's really good and um yeah I I thought it was a a pretty great crit. That's great. I'm glad you thought that. <laughs> no, I'm just going to run with this bit for a while. I thought it was a great crit, too. Um, I thought that a lot of the feedback didn't catch you. It was like there were things that you maybe, perspectives that you hadn't considered necessarily, but it didn't catch you off guard. It was like, oh, yeah, I want to think about that now. Um, right. And I actually thought there was kind of a, per, like a pretty productive conversation between the different things that were in the room. Mm-hmm. Like you had the the older sculpture and the kind of like two newer sculptures and, and seeing where you progress from one to the other was really interesting. Cause I feel like that's not always the case for crits. We don't get to see like a lineage of works. Yeah, for sure. That was, um, that piece I finished in the summer, that older one. And, um, I think my work is really changing a lot. When I first came in here, I was really doing, uh, you know, busts and portraiture and stuff like that and focusing a lot on the face and the head. And, um, the, the longer I'm here, the more I'm focusing on other things like the body and different movements and posture and stuff like that. So it's a, uh, you know, they, they, they always told me like, your work's going to change so much in, in grad school. And I, I never really believed anyone. And then here I am, you know, it's, it's not changing a whole bunch, but it's uh, a lot different of a direction than I originally anticipated. Mm, right. So let's get into a little bit of, of your, your typical work or the work that you came in doing. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was mostly figurative, mostly mm-hmm. portrait work, mm-hmm. um, mostly old, older people, mm-hmm. um, a lot of concern with their eyes, you know, their sort of facial, and then also um, objects in and around the environment that that portrait was, or that that bust was in. Mm-hmm. And now these new objects that you presented were mostly uh, from the waist up, you know, they were objects or like... Um, more abstracted uh, figures, and then from the waist down, you know, like legs, shoes, socks, and all that sort of stuff. So, right. um, and then just kind of like helping the the listener might 
you know, catch up and just follow the lineage that you've accomplished or that you've been a part of, um, f starting with a very strong emphasis on the portrait and then working towards a more abstracted way of using the body as a conceptual jumping off point mm. uh, versus just having, you know, a, a, a portrait or bust to work from mm -hmm. and to, to find that conceptual language. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, n I think my older work kind of stemmed from the um, my experience with uh, geriatric diseases and Alzheimer's. And um, I uh, my, my grandmother, uh, she moved in with me whenever I was really young uh, to my family's house. And um, she went from this little uh, kind of going to church every day, grandma, to this like sw swearing wheel of fortune watching <laughs> old lady. And like, you know, the, the disease was so devastating. But one one positive thing is that like those people open up a lot more. So once I graduated um, with my undergrad degree, um, I kind of wanted to, you know, focus more on this uh, this whole uh, idea of geriatrics and why why I was interested in it. So while I was at um, a residency in Lincoln, I worked as an activities director for two years at um, an Alzheimer's and memory clinic, and there I um I I heard all these these different stories about like love and loss and um, humor and um, you know friendship and, and every everything that you would ever want to hear and um, just really meaningful stuff and some of the the residents they had family that was in in the town that would they would visit them you know every other day but the other ones weren't so lucky <clears throat> and they would have their like closest relatives living across the country so um, it's like one of those places that you don't go and you um, you get to leave where you um, you know you you get better like a rehab center or something like that and those people are going there because they are sick and this is where they're gonna die <clears throat> so I wanted to keep those stories alive uh, a way to um, make a um, a visual narrative um, per se of um, you know these stories because they weren't around to tell them anymore mm. so um, that's that's what really got me interested in that work really kind of focusing on those stories. So here I am at, you know, Indiana, and I'm not working with those people, and I'm not there anymore. And um, I could, you know, go to a nursing home and volunteer my time here. But um, I think, you know, grad school is a part, you know, part of that is growth. So um, what do you make whenever you don't have those same influences anymore? And for me, it was looking more into myself and thinking about, um, you know, what can I take from my psyche and what, what you know what what do I want to make work about? And uh, for me, something that's been involved with me th for a long time of my life has has been anxiety and uh, the different you know fears that go along with that. So I, I just I kind of have been jumping off on this anxiety um, series mm -hmm. um, and making all these different works about um, anxiety because it's it's one of those things that I don't really particularly um, understand. I remember people asking me to like explain what's going on you know how what's 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 going on in your brain like how are you feeling right now and I always kind of was at a loss for words and I um, I thought making these visual pieces um, these narratives uh, again would kind of give me a way to explain myself really um, create an idea of what it is to feel explain yourself to an audience or explain yourself to yourself Mm, I think a little bit of both, really. Uh, you know, I since I can't really explain them in words, I can kind of portray them in a sculpture. But um, hopefully, the audience can see it too and um, kind of get an idea of it as well. Interesting. So I'm kind of curious as 
as coming from like a, a, a community of these these old people that are, are elderly people that you were allowed or that you were interested in connecting with and that you found yourself connecting with them sort of readily opening up to them emotionally, letting their stories kind of in and in and affecting you. Uh, and I'm kind of curious, you've moved to a new place. It's almost the opposite. We've got a very strong youth presence. Right. I mean, it is all about like the abundance and excesses of youth mm-hmm. where you're like, I don't care. I'm still in the first quarter of my life. I'm going to drink like, like I'm insane and, <laughs> and throw up everywhere and throw my garbage on the ground and just not give a shit because whatever, what do I know? Right. And, and I'm wondering, I should have eased off a little bit on that, but like, <laughs> it's like, do you not feel as connected to this new environment and the external way? And so maybe you're turning inward to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think um, you know, I, externally, I don't have that around anymore. I don't have those influences around to, um, you know, kind of make work about those things and remind me of you know the experience that I had when I was younger with my family. And um, so I just kind of had a look at a a completely different um, realm of making work. I think you're as as artists. I, I don't know about you guys, but environment definitely plays a factor. Oh, in, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But I th- yeah, but it's, I think it's that choice of either reflecting that environment, mm-hmm. the change in that environment, the newness of it, or rejecting it and then turning inward. Right. Like, right. And I and I think the two the, the both they're both valid and interesting. One is a little more difficult. You're always on your back foot, trying to sort of figure out what you're doing, responding to something, mm-hmm. versus um, you know taking taking the initiative to to manifest something that's internal into the external versus translating or becoming a conduit for an external environment, mm-hmm. right on. letting it in and then, and then pushing it back out again. So, yeah, I would say, I don't know. I think the anxiety is more than just a reaction to the environment. Cause I think that is part of it. It's like, well, this is really intense, but also it's a reflection of what it's like to be in Bloomington because it is like you were talking about, like uh, I think you're kind of referring mostly to like the undergraduate, especially here in this studio, how we're surrounded. We're in an undergraduate neighborhood. So we're surrounded by parties all the time and it is very intense and anxious and Mm -hmm. it's like a work hard, play hard mentality. And so the, everything is like the anxiety is heightened in this area and you can feel it. So I think it's not only just like a reaction to maybe how, how it like, to like the difference between like the sentimentality of working at, with the elderly versus coming here and seeing all of it around you, but also like being in it, mm-hmm. um, is kind of really intense. Yeah. So everything is more, and everything's intensified when people are like, how's grad school? I always say it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. That's in like so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like the only way I can think to describe it personally. Mm. For sure. And I think, um, you know, I I thought about this after my my crit the other day, after we were talking about how my work has progressed uh, to where it is right now. And in a way, I was kind of making work about anxiety um, when I was making that geriatric work, because, um, you know, my my mother, my grandmother, uh, my mom's mom was the one with um, Alzheimer's. And just like Mm -hmm. the fear of that running in the family is kind of anxious. And maybe that's, um, you know, subconsciously um, where my interest is in it, you know, trying to understand that in a way too. So, Well, you've also, I I think you've more consciously dealt with anxiety in your work too, haven't Mm -hmm. you? Oh, yeah. In your older work, maybe 
so yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what the connection, and maybe you can start to notice the connection between the anxiety in those works and then the current works. So maybe like, I don't know, I was thinking, I saw that piece of yours where it was like a giant pill bottle and like a small person. Mm-hmm. And it was like your, it was like your anxiety medicine mm-hmm. what, that was like massively outweighing the size of the scale of the figure. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that is something that has kind of like pulled into this new work too. I yeah. What do you think? Sure. I, yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, the, that, that piece in particular is kind of like, a, how do I describe it? It's like kind of like a, a resist against, uh, against medicine. Like uh, I, I don't want to be um, um, dependent on uh, something my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a fear of that. Like, um, you know, I, it's like something you, you have to take every single day. Um, you always have to be like aware of it. And like, if you don't have it, if you don't get your prescription, then you're, you're going to have this like horrible anxiety. And it's just like, that's like uh, a how, horrible, like, how does that not create the thing that it's hoping to yeah. like remove? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're totally right. So, um, yeah, it's like a, a fear of that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like if worrying about food made you hungry <laughs> <laughs> or if thinking about food made you hungry. Or no, like worrying that you didn't have it will all of a sudden right. made you hungry. Or like worrying about not getting water would make you thirsty. Right. Yeah. It's just right. Because the worry, the concern is what causes the anxiety. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a, It would be more like if drinking made you more thirsty or something. <laughs> hmm. Oh, if worrying made you worry. Yeah, because well, worrying sounds, makes you worry. That sounds a little simplistic. <laughs> uh, wow. Oh. Wow. Cool. So have you explored some other non, uh, non-medicated, non-sort of, uh, how would they describe it? Like, I guess, formal treatments for, for medication? Do you do like a, a meditation or yeah, mm-hmm. uh, like, a, like, I know people turn to physical exercise, like a yoga or something, some sort of meditative or ritualistic practice? Yeah, I, um, I try not to take uh, medicine at all. Um, and I try to kind of um, just use the resources within, uh, of my own body to kind of deal with these, uh, situations. And, um, sometimes I'm successful, um, and other times I'm not, um, exercise really helps, you know, eating, eating right. I, I've noticed, um, that ever since I stopped drinking milk that I've had less anxiety, which is, Hmm. um, I don't know if it has to do with the hormones at all, um, involved in that, but, um, I'm a vegetarian and, um, sometimes I wonder if I'm not getting, you know, the, the right proteins or something like that. And if that has to deal with anything. Um, so I think there's always that, um, that wonder, like, you know, what's, this is causing that, what is that causing this? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally, um, up for, you know, natural healing. And, um, I, I've done hot yoga a couple, um, a couple times here in town. So, Mm -hmm. Just uh, exploring different ways to help me relax more. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think as an artist and an art student in grad school, you're always like, I gotta, I gotta make this, I gotta make that, I gotta make more of this, more of this. And um, it's really easy. Like I'll be talking to my parents, and they're like, you gotta like have a life sometimes. You know, <laughs> you can't just be uh, in the in the studio like every single hour of every single day and I'm like sure I can you know (laughs) (laughs) but but it's true I think uh you know you got to make time for yourself um Mm -hmm. and um that that time for myself like helps me um a lot but then at the same time I think making helps me a lot because you get into this meditative um you know 
part where it's it's like the closest thing to like a religious experience where you're sitting there and you're making and then next thing you look at the clock and it's 10 hours later and you're like holy shit like how did that happen and like in those 10 hours you know I was making and I was creating and I wasn't thinking of anything but that and like for those 10 hours I there wasn't a single ounce of anxiety in my body I can't do anything for 10 straight hours (laughs) like anything Mm -hmm. um I have like a three hour like I can look up and it's been three hours. I just yeah I can I can fall through all day. Just yeah. If I have if I have what I need, you know, like if I've brought food and the materials are there, I can I can usually kind of just click into it and and start working from a plan, you know, or like have the idea and then start working through develop a plan on the on the fly and mm-hmm. build and create and mm-hmm. at the and there's the end of the day, you yeah. know, and it's wow. like, and it's not I'm not like. <laughs> you know zombified i i feel mm-hmm. like the the religiousness of that experience or like the, the uniqueness or magical uh aspect of that is the way that you can be present mm-hmm. and the way that things don't pull you out of that the same way uh like this attention span sort of thing or like if you you know if you're uh usually for me it's always like heartbreak you know mm-hmm. and it's like how how long can i go without thinking about it while it's still fresh, you know, while it still really hurts. Mm-hmm. And so it's those moments when, when I can go through a whole day and think, oh my God, I, I didn't worry. I didn't think about it once, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. then it's like, and then you're like, wow, I'm free of it, you know? And then you're like, or I had time, I had space away from it. Right. And then, and it's, it's, so it's like, you're not just turning your brain off. You're, you're, um, moving mm-hmm. around things. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to describe yeah, that's- perfectly, but. That, that was perfect. I got chills when you said that. Like, <laughs> like just the idea of, um, you know, you, you like are constantly, you know, thinking about heartbreak or you're constantly thinking about how you have anxiety and it's, you're, you're thinking in your head like, oh man, I always have this. I always have this. And you got to kind of like remind yourself, or at least I do like, you know, the other day I, I worked for those three or three or 10 hours or whatever. And mm-hmm. I didn't have that. So I'm, I'm not like, you know, as miserable as I think I am, you know, I can get over mm-hmm. this. I'm not always like mm-hmm. in this, in this rut, in this pit of, you know, this downward anxiety spiral or heartbreak spiral, you know? Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this a little bit, um, mostly in the shower last night, but I'm, I'm trying to put into words like when you make something and you have a plan for it, mm-hmm. where is there like to surprise yourself and to make something that you can't imagine, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to push my drawing students in a way, to where they are, they are, they are trying to find their their limit, you know, to imagine something they can't imagine and draw better than they think they can, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm kind of curious, as like, how how does that work? Because I think that we're 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 typically trying to make something new to surprise ourselves in this process of of making, responding, thinking. Um, taking things apart, putting them back together again, you know, like it's this, it's this cycle of, of, of creation and destruction that, that kind of can create surprise. And I'm wondering how, how that sort of works in, in someone else's studio practice, uh, making something that they haven't really thought of yet, you know, like, um, this, this room for like a, this, I don't want to say like pure creation, but like, just just new creation you know mm-hmm. something that's not planned or, or thought of yet yeah that's that's a really interesting idea 
I um I was talking to, to uh, the first year Jonathan about this uh, not too long ago. Just um, the ratio of actually working on something and thinking about it before you work on it. And <laughs> and he said uh, he thinks it, what's involved in a piece is like eighty percent thinking about it, mm-hmm. and then twenty percent twenty percent actually making it. Mm-hmm. Like because you're always you're doubting yourself and you're thinking and um you know it's a lot goes into it especially in like ceramics like is this possible you know can i do this you know what, what's gonna well, how's it gonna fire when i look is it gonna break you know is it gonna do that and um i think it's almost freeing to just you know make something that you don't really think about too much you know in a way. Shift, shift the ratio yeah. around a little mm-hmm. bit change the ratio mm-hmm. yeah i'm thinking that's maybe i need to do that what? Can we can we work out all my like <laughs> studio practice problems right now? Yeah, that's why we're <laughs> no, here. No, <laughs> I think I I think I um, would agree with Jonathan. I do like eighty percent, if not more, thinking, yeah. and then twenty percent doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know what that means. You know, I like, and I also do a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. I do more like reading, thinking, and writing than creating things. I can't read for more than a paragraph without getting a new idea for something and having to write it down or having to, having a new, having that change, an idea that I've already had mm-hmm. and bring it just like, and just tighten it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like reading right. is a chance for me to like, think, yeah, just solidify. I, mm-hmm. I read someone else's words and then it kind of causes me to think about an idea. And then all of a sudden it's just like a little bit sharper. Like mm-hmm. it's just a little bit tighter because there's there's something that's happening in that in that reading process it's slow mm-hmm. it's really really <laughs> fucking slow because i'm like yeah you know imagine every scene of a of a movie you're like oh my god that's such <laughs> oh i'm cha- oh, it's working and then i'm like mm-hmm. having to write something down or draw it out or, and then it's like well have you seen how many notes i take in my books like i'm the same way but it's i'm but i'm talking about that like not that disconnect but more like the one between having the idea and like solidifying that idea, but then like cr- like having it come to fruition, like mm. in a physical form. I get locked up when I'm not super familiar with the material, or when I'm being very precious with the material. Mm. Mm. Uh, like if I've just got a pile of scrap wood, like or mm. or just wood that that I didn't buy that I found in the shop, you know, that was in the bin or in a scrap pile or something like that, mm-hmm. I can sit there and I will just make a table. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, like. Or make that uh, the monitor, you know, like just and then those speakers, you know, it's like I'll just play with it and not really get hyper anxious about, you know, if I screw up because what's the loss? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What's right. what's the what's the major hang up there? So those are the only hmm. yeah, I feel like those are the only time or if I really want it to be like like perfect. You know, if I'm making something for somebody. Mm-hmm. I'll usually think about it for a long time. So it's like, but if it's just for, if it's for nothing, if it's just to make something, man, it's liberating because then I don't, then I'm, then I'm like, then I'm coming up with a plan along the way, you know? Yeah. I think that's like a form of relaxation too. Like when we're in this like heavy pressured, like MFA, you know, um, program, like maybe just taking time and make something that doesn't matter, Mm -hmm. you know, making that table out of scrap. Does any of it matter though? (laughs) Like what is like what's the burden? What is the pressure that we're putting on ourselves? And what's actually there in existence? Mm-hmm. Like what would our higher ups, you know, say when we're think when we're like getting down or when mm-hmm. we're putting a ton of pressure on ourselves? It's like, what what is that? 
what is that helping? You know, right. what is that doing? How is that informing your artwork to sit there and worry or to, to stop making for a minute? Like, yeah, I think it's for me, it's hard to start. It's like I just think that I, I like I just want to read and write and think. And then when it comes to making, I just like, I don't know, I just like don't want to start it. Once I get started, I can keep going. It's actually doing the starting that is, and it doesn't matter how familiar I am with the material. Like it could be knitting or something. Um, something that I used to do when I knitted a lot is before I finished. So there's like this pro there's like a project finish high that you get when you finish a mm -hmm. knitting piece and it's like done and you like weave in the, the like ends and stuff and you're like, yeah, you're like darning it and then it's done. And it's really exciting, but then there's this, like, that's, like, for me, always immediately followed by, like, a huge low that's, like, oh, man. Here we are again. Here we are again. <laughs> I have nothing to do. Or, like, I can't do anything because I haven't started this other piece. So I used to, like, five rows before finishing a knitting project start a new knitting project and knit about five rows so that I had this overlap. So as soon as I was done with one, I could just like, like as if they were sitting on the table together, I could just like quickly shift over because if there's <laughs> any space in between the two, I'm just never gonna like start it again or it's gonna take me a really long time. And I think that's why in the studio, I'll be working on something, but I'll also have like books nearby because if I'm like stuck on the thing that I'm working on, I wanna be able to like quick, quickly shift over to the book and get right into it because otherwise I'll like sit there for a long time and do nothing and just think about how I don't want to start anything mm -hmm, for sure or do anything. I think it was interesting how you guys said that um, you like you read a paragraph and you like have a new idea every paragraph mm -hmm. and you you obviously write down if anyone knows you we can see you in your book <laughs> always writing stuff down. Like and and that's like one thing that I have trouble with like uh, categorizing uh, these new ideas and then coming back to them. How do you guys um, look at those ideas that you wrote down and then like come back to them and say like oh this is what I want to do like oh that was garbage like how do you you know, I, if it, if it sticks, mm -hmm. it's worth, if it, if it goes away, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I use my own mental sort of capacity, like a wire, a wire mesh or something like that. Like mm -hmm. the good stuff will get stuck in there and I can't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Like I wait, like that moment of starting or something like that, it, that has to burn so hot that I have to do it. Right. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I, and mm. like those, those are the moments mm -hmm. and I can feel, and I can feel shifts in that. You know what I mean? Like, like, um, I can feel when something is gaining that energy or something. And, uh, but I also use my, I also use my phone, the notepad on my phone. Like the last, the last thing I think in there is this idea for a, a game that I, that I can like make with cards and mm -hmm. colors. And I wrote the rules out. And so I'm just like, and I'll return to that either read it or add new ideas as I, as they come to me. So it's like, I use my notepad on my phone a lot for, um, those flashes of inspiration that, that, um, I think I can keep building. And I think not only finding those, not only writing them down, but also knowing what's worth keep, you know, what's worth keeping, like what actually has a future mm -hmm. is something that I've been learning too. Like what's, yeah, and how to edit yourself, I think. Mm -hmm. Self-editing is, yeah, definitely useful. Yeah, I would agree with the things that stick because, like, I have a lot of ideas um, and I try to shove them all into one project usually. But the ideas that stick are the same. And so I'm kind of working through the semester. I'm trying to, like, parse them out and let them be separate things. 
And so I'll often look back in my notebooks and yes, I said notebooks <laughs> um, to like look for an idea about like something really specific, um, like about document. Like right now, I'm kind of stuck on what in the what in the work is documentation. What is the work and what's the ephemera? So there's like these kind of this like dichotomy of three things that all work together, but like trichotomy. Trichotomy. Oh, dichotomy is two, huh? Yeah. Is trichotomy a word? It is now. It is now. So it's the trichotomy of of my work. The trilogy. Just No, that's like one after another. It's, yeah, there's a sequence. There. No, there's yeah. no sequential. There are si- simultaneously three things that exist. And so anyway, and so I have notes in my notebook about that idea in probably 10 places. And it's the same notes, essentially. And But I, I think about them again. And so I'll like be looking back for specific notes and I see them like multiple times with not, they're not exactly the same, but they're very similar and going through the same thing. So I know like when I see things multiple times in my notebook that it just keeps coming up and I keep thinking about it and feeling the need to write it down, then I want to stick with that idea and do something with that. Um, so it's kind of similar to what you were saying. But that thing about it, bur- like it having to burn really hot for you to start is... Um, super interesting to me because I like I I don't I don't think I ever get that and it made me think of when I go shopping with my mom this is kind of weird but it relates Um, she has me try on a lot of clothes that I don't think I'm gonna like like she'll be like oh you should try this on Mm -hmm. trust me and I'm always like no I don't want to and but I do anyway because like just to humor her and then sometimes they're really awesome because she actually like I don't know she she knows and hmm. but if I put it on and I'm like well maybe she's like no nope take it off you're never gonna wear it if you can't like if you because otherwise uh, you won't wear it if I'm not like completely in love with it in that moment like I have to be like oh yeah this is dope otherwise I'll put it on and like not want to ever wear it I'll just take it right back off that's a really so. great analogy thank you <laughs> yeah yeah for sure okay so mm-hmm. maybe I need to think about art that way <laughs> Yeah, take your own advice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I that just just because of what Jacob said made me think of that. So mm-hmm. um, it has to burn hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I guess I do the same thing when I'm shopping, but um, it's the fit. You go it's shopping the, with Jenna's mom? It's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. So it's like she's always throwing clothes at me, and it's like, yeah, the colors are nice, but it's a little bit loose around the waist or it's not oh, quite long enough. Like yeah. if I wear it like this, then it's okay. But it's like, no, I don't I'm want, never going to wear it like right, that. Cause right. I'll be pulling at it. Exactly. For right. me, and it's, then I have, it's like comfort style fit. You have yeah. to have all three. Sure. Cause otherwise I'll, I will pull at, like I'll be like mm, uncomfortable. Like yep. I always having to like pull my sleeves up or pull my shirt down or something. Yeah. I like that idea of like, if you see it in your sketchbook more than once that you should make it. Cause I think that's like a really good idea. Cause if it's, if you're constantly thinking about it, you know, you should be making work about it. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you're always writing it down. Um, cause I, sometimes I see ideas that I wrote in my sketchbook that I made like once and I look back, I'm like, why would I ever think about making that? You know, that's like yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am. Um, There's also like unnecessary clarity in your, in your notes. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just have like a uh, chicken sandwich, you know, like chicken sandwich with razor legs. And you're like, fuck, what? Why would I like, make that? Oh, and then you're like, there's no context. There's nothing around it. It's mm-hmm. just like, just the, the scribbling. A chicken sandwich with razor legs. A madman. And then you're like, nah, this is worthless. Yeah. But then, you know, 
there's other things or like you develop a code you know a code for yourself mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. it's you kind of can learn that learn that uh that way of describing things and projects to yourself uh, quickly you know mm-hmm. so you don't have to sit there so that writing and recording isn't mm-hmm. the burden you know what i mean right it's that's you don't like that's that's the hard part especially you know if if <clears throat> like i've got friends who have a hard time reading and writing just as a you know like as adults i have the same thing where it's like it it can kind of become its own struggle and mm-hmm. then that is meant to be uh helpful in your artistic practice but when that becomes its own burden it just there's just no life or fun or interest there you know there's what I no mean? life like, is that what you said there's just no life there's just, yeah yeah it doesn't add anything oh into okay. your into your problem it wasn't like an existential there's just no life like. <laughs> it's always existential but okay yeah. so it was existential okay sorry um yeah it just it doesn't it doesn't add anything more to your practice like when it when it really sucks it sucks it out of your energy zones i suppose that doesn't make any sense that's it also sounds kind of dirty (laughs) i don't know why is that just me well you're perverted that's why (laughs) oh that's true um and i have a problem that's okay there's people out there that are trying to help you (laughs) Don't listen. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was thinking about your process specifically because you were saying, Luke, um, so I'm like gesturing towards you, but no one can see that except the three of us mm-hmm. and that spider up on the ceiling that I can't stop staring at. Um, you were saying like you saw something in your sketchbook and you were wondering like, why did you make that? Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking about how, how labor intensive your process is in that you're working on the same thing for a long time because everybody has like a, some kind of labor intensity in their process. But Mm -hmm. with ceramics specifically, you may touch the same like speck of clay, like hundreds of times or something. Oh yeah. Um, so I was wondering how you get so far in a project (laughs) and then realize (laughs) why did I make that? Cause don't you have a lot of time while you're touching the clay to be like thinking about why you're making the thing that you're making? Yeah, I think, um, I think what can really kill a piece uh, for me anyway is uh, post firing like uh, glazes and mm-hmm. stuff like that because it's like one thing that um, you have control but it's not as controlled as like other things like I love the sculpting like I, I could I could if, if my art was just sculpting and like I could submit wet clay and it stayed wet forever you mm-hmm. know I think that would be really cool and um, I think grad school is like helping me with that a little bit you know it's helping me open up to the different surfaces that I can do um with my art um as far as you know like ceramic surfaces and other kinds of surfaces and stuff like that and helping Mm -hmm. me along the way but um yeah I think I've made pieces I've slapped a bunch of glaze on it that I thought would look cool in the moment and then um for me what kills it is if I spent like 10 hours, um, you know, sculpting these fine details in there and then it just gets completely covered and I'm just with like, the glaze. yeah, mm-hmm. with the glaze. And it's just like, oh man, like all my little, um, like wrinkles and like little, um, intricate, like little mark makings are like destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that can be just like one, um, negative fact about just ceramics in general. Like that, that can happen sometimes. So you just Can't you just aware. like once fire it and then paint it? <laughs> you could, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, there there has to be like a. I think uh, 
there's just like a reason for everything. Like, why, why are you painting it? Why are you glazing it? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? And I think that there's not like a, a right way for anything. I don't think that like mm-hmm. glaze is the answer right away. And I think, um, just being open to that. Like I do, um, I do a lot of mixed media stuff. Like I have a lot of metal in my pieces and, um, regular like house paint, you know, like Martha Stewart paint. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then I do like atmospheric stuff and just like regular low fire glaze stuff. So it's just depending on the piece, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I'm just thinking that like you could get maybe more control if you're just like in charge of every single mark that you make. Right. Cause I mean, glaze, you also paint it on, but just the way that it reacts in the kiln isn't, you lose the control there. Right. So I don't know. But then maybe you need something that you don't have all the control because you have all the control over the sculpting and then the application of the glaze. Maybe you need that like slight unpredictability. Yeah. And maybe that's where like the magic happens, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that sounds like weird ceramics propaganda. (laughs) Sounds like some... Have control, but then let it go and like find your, find the beauty and magic in in letting go. (laughs) Every day is Christmas when you open up a scut kiln. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> brought to you by Scud. Yeah, <laughs> not really, but <laughs> that would be cool if we could, yeah, have a spon- sponsor by Scud. <laughs> uh, I don't know what well, they would give us it's though. It's like the su- the surprise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us a kiln. A kiln. Yeah. yeah. Or just those coils or whatever. Yeah. Just be for good fun. for winter. You could just open it up and <laughs> yeah, just warm ourselves with a Scud kiln. Yeah. Mm. Or to just take pictures, like take silly pictures with it. Like yeah, yeah, studio business podcast, like us, like leaning on the <laughs> or kiln. like coming out of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a <of> cake, <laughs> or like we're pots. <laughs> we'll be in different clothes. <laughs> I don't there know. you go. Different makeup. Luke, yeah. you've got you've got quite the Instagram following. What's that all about, dude? <laughs> yeah, like two thousand followers or something. Yeah, I, well, I don't think I'm. I think there's a lot of people that are like ahead of me um, as far as that, but it's like something that I've been like taking more and more serious uh, ever since um, I got to grad school. Um, I I really I really kind of like posting and seeing all the the different art that's out there because it's like Instagram is flooded with ceramic artwork, <laughs> like yeah, flooded. Totally, totally. And um, you know I got I I have these friends who like for lack of a better word, became, like, Instagram famous, like, people that I went to, like, undergrad with who, like, you know, they were just some ra- regular Joe, and now they have, like, 50,000 followers on Instagram. Whoa. And I'm just like, geez, like, how did that happen? And I think it's just, like, I use it mainly for, like, an advertisement thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it it can, it's, I think it's really fun just to, you know, see everything on there, and, like, I, it's a, it's a good place to relax you know mm-hmm. if you if you need those little really <laughs> i don't know for me i like i, I think it, relax it, yeah i think it inspires me you know mm. i don't want to say what i feel because it might it might affect the way that luke views instagram no no no. go ahead it's just like um i think that social media as much as i love it because i do and yeah i can go on there but then i can spend a lot of time mm-hmm. because the feeds are endless scrolling that's true and so there's this like anxiety thing of like I want to see everything, but I actually can't mm. see everything because they're not chronological. Also, I have too many followers to possibly, or I'm following too many people rather to possibly see everything that they're posting. Mm-hmm. So I just want to scroll and scroll and scroll because I'm like afraid I'm gonna. It's like, f- like FOMO. It's like I don't want to <laughs> miss out. You know? Yeah, I don't um, know. I guess I've never had FOMO. Um, <laughs> and it's not that I'm like some like dick who doesn't like anyone's pictures back or anything, but like I, I look at it for 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, so enough as I wanted to see, you know, I'll mm-hmm. post something. And, um, 
um, I don't I don't have like a, a bad conscience if I don't like if I miss like one of my buddies' things because I'll, I'll just like go back and I'll like oh what's what's this guy like up to today like what's he what's he been doing and it's kind of sometimes it's like a surprise like I'll I'll click in and I'll be like oh he made like six new posts that I didn't see so it's kind of cool in a way hmm. yeah I noticed that ceramic artists will do a lot of process work mm-hmm. as well and mm-hmm. like show you either the wheel throwing or uh, like specific sculpting or carving. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of process work because process is typically like pretty, pretty beautiful and interesting Mm -hmm. to a lot of people. And then, uh, and then, so like with the video functions and and all of that sort of stuff, you get time lapse, Mm -hmm. you know, we get to see things that might take a long time, but in a relatively quick period and, uh, and it, it becomes, I don't know, the process becomes like democratized in a way, like people Mm -hmm. can start to see how things are done, which I'm not, I've, I've always been kind of curious about the ceramic community and what is like trade secret and what is just totally open, you know? And, and I'm, and I'm wondering how they, like how you guys go through that <laughs> process. Like, I mean, there's like clay bodies, but there's also just like recipes online for yeah. every color of glaze and every cone, you know, firing, like mm-hmm. it's all there. So it's, it's, uh, it's different for each person. That's all I can say. Like, uh, as far as me, I'm like an open book. If someone comes up to me and they say, how did you do this? I'll tell them straight away uh, you know, what kind of glaze did you use? I'll, I'll tell them right away. But I've met artists where I'm like, Oh man, this is a really interesting glaze. And they're just like, yeah. Can't ha- you can't have it, bro. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, well, how'd you get that texture? And they're just like, yeah, I tested a lot. <laughs> and they just, they just kind of leave it at that, you know. And um, I asked one of the, I asked the guy one time. I won't, I won't say his name. But I, I said, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you share your uh, your recipes with anyone? And he said, when he was an undergrad, uh, he let he shared everyone his uh, his this new glaze that he made. And the next crit, every single person in the whole studio had the same new glaze that he like <laughs> created. And it was just like. The whole crit room was just like painted orange, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so in the, in that instance, I, I guess I could see that like it would be a little frustrating, but we're all here for the same reason. That's what I look at it. And you yeah. know, the more that you can teach me and I can teach you, you know, I think the better we're off going to be in the future for mm-hmm. sure. Totally. Well, I mean, yeah, that guy could look at it two, two ways. ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, holy shit! Everybody is really stupid and using my glaze. Or. <laughs> wow, look at all the work they did with my glaze. Right. And now I can see it on all these different forms. Yeah. And also, I made that. Like, that's my recipe. And everybody wanted it. Right. And everybody thought it was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, when you need that little ego boost. Yeah. It can help. Or Plus, in, in grad school, everybody's making really different stuff, too. Right. And you're only, only one person's critiquing at a time. So. I find that. I find myself making work that looks or touches on very very similar things as everybody but it's also very separate Mm -hmm. like it being super conceptual super minimal like there are things that we're all playing with like formal concepts or uh you know like post-structuralist concepts or something like that um but yeah it's like it's it's hard to try to find uh I guess like my place in the in the in the small circle mm-hmm. of, of people. You know what I mean? Like if you're gonna write a TV show, like and you have your characters. Who's your character? Yeah, yeah it's right. like it's like. Am I trying to be? Like, am I trying to make work like everybody else is? 
and then I and then I end up sort of just like de facto making my my own because <laughs> yeah. when you mix five when you mix five things together, you're going to get a unique thing. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, what's crazy is I think that everybody feels that way, but I think it's really clear when look like from an outside perspective, like to know where your work fits in, and like same for Luke. But I feel like oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. But then I wonder if other people are like, oh, no, she does this thing. Because it's like what I just like automatically do. Sure. And I'm still working on naming it, but people can like see it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like your place is really clear to me, um, but I don't necessarily have words for it. It's more like mm. a feeling. Yeah. Or like, like anxiety. A, it's more like anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it? I don't know. Maybe it is. No, it's more like depression. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> that's the subject matter, not how it makes me feel. Oh it yeah, make me feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys have anything like that in your practice that um, someone's like, "Oh, how did you get that like specific uh, weaving pattern or something?" And you're like, "Well, none of your damn business," you know? I'm <laughs> no, not really. Because no. nothing's nothing's proprietary. You know, it's yeah. like all some kind of variation on something else um and also so like i i can't i I can't really speak that much to weaving because i don't know that much about weaving Mm -hmm. but i can speak about spinning and as much as like i could learn how to so i'm in this master spinner class that i'm doing in addition to being here in grad school with um like like nine other women and we've all been given the same instruction in the same homework and all of our yarn comes out really different because no matter what, even if you're told to do it the same way, the hand is so involved that everybody's yarn looks different. And you can start to like, like if they could set their yarn out and I could probably like point to whose is whose, even though we're using the same technique with the same material, but just because everybody has, yeah, like I said, their touch is just different. So no, there's not really like, it's like maybe I could show somebody how I did something but there's no secrets to it. There's mm-hmm. no like, oh no, I'm not gonna tell you how many twists per inch I used. <laughs> like, because one, they could actually like count them. But also, yeah, there's no there's no need for there's nothing proprietary at all. Gotcha. Yeah. My physical objects are so, un- like I don't know they. S- the the function of thinking, I guess, to me is to distill and to simplify everything down to a point where it's like immediately available like the information of how something was done is Mm. immediately there conceptually like it might take some walking through just to kind of get to you know like from where i started to where i am now with an object but it it's like simplicity to me is is key i mean i think you're just saying your forms are clean right like they're clean yeah and all that and all that takes is patience you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like if it's not right the first time then do it again Mm -hmm. or adapt you know, mm-hmm. like if it's too short, then trim it. If it's uh, or if it's too long, then trim it. If it's too short, then try to find a new one, or just shrink the whole thing down. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just yeah. Like to me, obscuring, hiding, creating like complicated or uh, mysterious or uh, elusive sort of properties of work. I'd rather that be in the in the conceptual aspect and not uh, not in the physical way. So. Mm. I don't know. It would be great if someone was like, how did you think of that? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! (laughs) But it's not not the case. Mm. Like a lot of, yeah, I don't know. A lot of my things are just very simple. 
also I'm not, I'm not interested anymore in um, impressing people like that. Like, whoa, how did you get this glaze? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like reaction. I don't think will ever come from any of the work that I make again. It's not like formally very impressive. It's it's like, yeah, I wish somebody would be like, wow, how did you come to this conclusion in your brain? You know, like that would be such like so much more flattering for me. I'll ask that next time you have a critique. Please do. If you could. Yeah. If you could just be like, um, how did your, I don't know. How did your brain come up with this? Yeah, Luke, physical objects are over. <laughs> okay. That's not okay. Maybe that is what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm wondering about this idea of like the hand, um, like Jenny, you were saying, like there's mm-hmm. nuance in the hand, and that you can start, you can give five people the same materials, and they're all mm-hmm. going to come out different. Right. Right. Isn't that like that's got to be some sort of weird post-industrial uh, mythology of the hand? Because before then, everything was done by hand. Like, yeah. I mean, back to like crazy medieval castles, mm-hmm. and then like Louis the uh, what is that Palace of the Sun or whatever? Mm-hmm. It's like. Um, I mean, but like, mm-hmm. you know, they're making, these guys were making the same sconces that are immaculately carved, immaculately painted, and all of these other things, and they're identical to each other. Right. Like, two insane specifications, and there was entire workshops of dudes. The difference is that they're going for the same thing. Oh, like, okay. It's like, like, they're mimicking. They're using mimicry. They're not using their, like, the hand, right? They're mimicking the original yeah, so like okay. I'm thinking again. I'm thinking of yarn because that's what I know. Is like if you're if you're like spinning a commercial yarn as a hand spinner, and you're going for something very specific, you can't. You know what you have to do to replicate it. But the difference in this case is that it's like being given material and say like, "All right, do what you normally do with it." So then, what about the guy that did the original? It it just became like industry standard. It was like somebody made a yarn, and it was like, "Oh yeah, that's good." That's the that's the right one. So let's all make our yarn look like that yarn. Oh, okay. That reminds me of um like the old white and cobalt like mm-hmm. pottery in like England oh, and yeah. stuff like mm-hmm. that. How you, you could see these like old black and white photographs of all these women in uh, like dresses with little tiny paintbrushes doing the exact same pattern like to a mm-hmm. T, you know? Yeah, they're just trying to make it look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now it's like post industrial, we're like not we're like, oh, the machines make it look the same, so we should value the fact that, by human nature, we're going to make it look different. Mm-hmm. Because hmm. we're not machines. But but those machines are, are meant to mimic a workshop full of humans that could do the same thing. Are they meant to mimic it, or are they meant again? to replace the humans? Uh, well, yeah, I don't know what the difference would be specifically. Because the machines are more efficient at making the same thing every time, because they're mechanical, right? Yeah, you don't have to, like, feed them and clothe them. Yeah. So, I don't know. That'd be a nice little rollback with a jacket. (laughs) A hat. Socks. What would he eat? People. Oh, what? (laughs) (laughs) I thought he'd, like... Because they're not necessary anymore. There's obviously a surplus. That's true. You know, just, like... Somebody... We have to employ people somehow. They can be food. Right. I don't know. Cattle. So you wouldn't that be fucked up? So you think Instagram's pretty, um, like dystopian? Yeah. What What about you, Jacob? I find myself both inspired, and mm-hmm. then you know, like if you go to hashtag sculpture, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like it makes me it makes me really 
hate the fact that like sometimes we can we can like self curate mm-hmm. the the world of the world of art in this way and mm-hmm. like i realize that's super elitist but at the same time like this is something i really do care about and i really do i'm i want to push it into a level of you know that's 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 beyond where it is now and and like mm-hmm. i i I want to be the the engine on the back of the boat that's like pushing it forward, mm-hmm. right? And what I'm really seeing is a lot of people just sort of um, aping old stuff, aping old styles, or like, or just do you know? They're just like they're not challenging themselves, I guess, to reconsider what sculpture is, and and then and then we're kind of just left with like more of the same shit you know mm-hmm. like a lot of people are like hashtag art or drawing like a lot of people drawing from photos in a in a hyper realistic way in a time lapse thing and that's like boom the craziest thing anybody's ever seen before you know what i mean Where, right. as, as opposed to mm-hmm. like evaluating and thinking critically about what drawing is you that know? actually seems different than self-curating though that just seems like accessibility the fact that anybody can instagram anything and hashtag sculpture right like yeah yeah, that that's what you're talking about, because self curating on Instagram is super interesting as well. Oh, yeah. You're, well, OK, so so collect I guess collective curating is what I'm thinking okay. of is mm-hmm. self curating is obviously another th- is another thing where I'm not showing all of my mistakes and like all the, the all of the tables Framing that it. fell apart yeah. or like that shelf that I built in New York that like <laughs> just totally collapsed under like five cups and, a, and then like a thing of water and, and at a party. And I was just like, fuck, <laughs> you know, like, yes. that's not making it up. Self curating is like, look how great my life is. Yeah. And oh, yeah. here's why because so, i'm only showing you the right. good things so collective curating the mm-hmm. fact that things. it's yeah the fact that it's out of out of the hands of like um those that have invested and value something mm-hmm. to to a, i guess a high degree mm-hmm. and like yes like i said that's super elitist yeah but, um I don't well know. anybody can the thing is the thing about art is that anybody can call themselves an artist like i can't call myself an engineer because i I'm not an engineer, right? Like I, I don't know how. That's true. I, I don't know how. I'm not a civil. Like I'm, I can't build bridges. Like I, I'm not an industrial engineer. Like I can't, like I can't do those things. But anybody can call themselves an artist, and anybody can go on Instagram and hashtag art or sure, like sure. artwork. I also think that there's it's lacking in this uh, capacity to document and preserve work specifically contemporary work mm-hmm. um you know like i feel like every artist needs to have a hashtag of their name mm-hmm. just so that we can collect it yeah. um typically what you will find though especially with sculptors is there's a sweet spot in a sculpture that people will take angle after angle you know like the same photo basically nine thousand times and mm-hmm. you can just see like sometimes at a sculpture park that's where the grass is worn out Mm. you know because that's where they stand to take a photo and that's where you know they you know like there's this you can start to see the conventions of it full like unfold and reveal themselves just in in repetition in the Mm. way that public is engaging with the work in the way that we see art as a collective that is incredibly informing Mm -hmm. um so it's not always nice like (laughs) it doesn't always feel good but it is. It is. Um, it can be framed. I think as something that's educational, and and it reveals the. It, yes, it reveals how we fu- how we participate mm-hmm. with with art. For sure. Um, it also reveals that like everybody has this desire to be, 
to be part like be a participant because the fact that even though that same photo from that same spot has been taken hundreds of times and they've probably seen it and could save it on Instagram or on you know Google Images or whatever that they have to go there stand in that same spot and like press the button themselves mm-hmm. like what it like the fact that we and then and then the record is digital so like who's to say if I was really there taking that picture or not because I'm not even in it like I'm behind the camera mm-hmm. um, or like in this case you would be in it but like I'm thinking of like the leaning tower of Pisa like how everybody has to go and like prop up the tower mm-hmm. you know sure the meta the meta photo of that is really great though too from another angle where mm-hmm. everyone is just doing the same pose yeah and you can see all these people just in a weird pose like <laughs> right. all great. doing something crazy mm-hmm. uh yeah that's that's kind of like the mm-hmm. next level of that which is really great i think you're right um but if anything it isn't it there is this underlying message that art still has a cultural capital mm-hmm. it is something that still does like excite people and that we know that it's worth something more than its parts and pieces you know like that's why people do go to do go and document themselves in front of things just mm-hmm. because it's it's important you know like we still have this idea that uh you will be better when you go see art and art makes it worth it and so that's as mm-hmm. as an artist as somebody that wants to do that and participate in that conversation mm-hmm. that is it is nice because people still do respect it in a way mm-hmm. but um, what is art though no, I'm yeah. What, is what do you think, Luke? What's art? Google it. You can't measure it like radio waves, you know? <laughs> Trey can. That's what I do. Well, you can? Break it down into colors. Break it down into shapes. Oh, right. I thought, First, I thought you said chicken. And I was like, are we back to the chicken razor legs? <laughs> razor legs, yeah. Razor leg chicken. What did I... That's oh, going to be the title taser, of this. Taser face. I just watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 mm. last night. Bob Marley lays 420. Yeah, Blaze Bob Marley 420, bro. <laughs> I think, like, art artists in general, like, people think, uh, this is going to sound pretty pretentious, but, like, people think we're cool, and they expect us to be cool, you know? Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Like, everywhere we go, like, you know, everyone wants to be an artist. Everyone wants to take art classes and Everybody stuff Everybody like wants that. to date an artist. Everyone wants right? to date an artist, you know? Like, I I'll... haven't experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and also, like, I, I like what you said about how there's, like, this, you know, anyone can call them an artist, because we, we have these things, um, and they, they talk about this in critiques called, like, hobby potters, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh... Uh, that your work like w- looks like a hobby potter and it's like somebody who like you know appreciates you know ceramics you know and they maybe they make pots every single day and they sell like a shit ton of work on etsy but they're just not like college trained so people will be like oh you're just a hobby potter and right you, mm. but they're they're the ones that sometimes are making like seventy thousand dollars a year at these craft shows you yeah. know so who who's i don't know it sounds a little bit like an outside like an outside artist yeah like, like an outsider outs- outside art mm-hmm. is like the, the the you've never had a formal or uh academic mm-hmm. art education but you still make work right and oh man that's like those are those are the people that <laughs> or you're change just, the fucking game. You're just, you're just not like, you're not asking like the same type of questions. I think it's like, right. as you are in academic art, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, because like, you're right, those people, they go to craft fairs and they have a lot of fun because craft fairs are fun to participate in. They make a lot of money. They sell pots. People enjoy them just as much as a pot that they might get from somebody in this program. Mm-hmm. But like, 
they spend half the price. They spend maybe half the price or maybe it's not, but like this is like fine art or whatever, like capital F. Um, And then, then the other one's like a hobby potter. Like I'm not, I'm not sold on the huge distinction other than like we're driving ourselves insane by being here. I mm-hmm. think because we were like asking ourselves questions and, and doubting everything and and like electively having other people doubt our work so that we can get better. So why? Yeah, I don't know. I think a good example is that, too, is like I whenever I um, am home and I went to like a craft fair with my mom, she would show me. She's like, oh, look, uh, another ceramics table. And I was like, oh, here we shit, go. Another ceramics table. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, oh, this is so pretty. I'm like why is it so pretty she's like oh it's blue and the handle's really big and like all i can think of in my mind is like my teacher's talking in the back of my head like oh don't don't uh glaze something all blue because it's you know it's just so hobby potter and the handle has to be tapered and it has to be look like this and it can't be heavy on the and it has to have this this form and this Mm -hmm. connection and stuff like that and it kind of ruins you know my experience (laughs) whereas my mom can sit there and like be excited have this wonderful time at a craft fair Mm -hmm. but i'm just like critiquing constantly because i have these um things so it kind of you know, voluntarily making ourselves go crazy thinking about all these different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like my mom has in her house, like tons of, she likes to go to craft fairs. So she has like pots from craft fairs that are probably similar to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But next to like pots by my friend Patrick, who, um, like tons of them where he was fed all of that same, like, oh, well, you have to do the foot this specific mm-hmm. way or the handle has to be this specific way and the lip has to be so that when you drink it, all the liquid falls back inside of the cup and mm-hmm. not spilling on the outside. But, like, they're sitting next to each other on the shelf. You know, like, how are they that different? Like, the- can they really be that different? They're, like, coexisting. They're one right beside the other. And she right. uses them both the exact same. Yeah, and there's only a small amount of people in the world who know the difference that this one's better and this right. one's not better. Right, quote, unquote, better. <laughs> yeah. I keep better. using air quotes. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And- <laughs> But, you know, the viewers can't see them. For sure. We just want to craft fair tangent. <laughs> you can always turn that voice off, though. Everything that you've been told is important is, is um, it's something that you buy into at some mm-hmm. point. You mm-hmm. accept that as, as a measure of quality or success. Uh, and to, to try to push, like, an art forward or to consider an art in the art history or the material, you know, that's something that we... C- strive to do you know mm-hmm. what i mean we want to make every decision intentional right um just because we have an excessive amount of doubt kind of placed on us in this ac- academic environment is that is that real like is it is, is it does it actually make a difference in the outside world probably not yeah um but i mean there's yeah you can ask what just a, every question has a can be asked a question like mm-hmm. Does that matter? But why? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. I guess it's, it's I like, know. where do you want to be showing? Where do you, do you want to be uh, in these galleries making pottery? Or do you want to be on, you know, alongside a river at an arts festival? And it's just like, where do you want to end up? And, right. You know, where, where mm-hmm. what fulfills your life and what makes you happy? That's what it comes down to, I think, really. You well, know? that's... <laughs> that well, it? if only Is we could all? figure that out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, wow. I don't even know. That's tough. What fulfills me and makes me happy? Would you would you be happy with only selling in like a craft fair for the rest of your life? Or oh, I don't want to make pots at all. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, just like <laughs> you know, I guess you can't really do perform at a craft fair. Yeah, I guess they don't could. do a whole lot of performance <laughs> art at craft fairs. Yeah, I have no idea. That's I think that's the biggest thing that I struggle with is like because my work is specifically not com- like commodifiable. Right. Your like, recent work. 
Yeah. Since undergrad. All of the knitted in murals and all of that sort of stuff? No. How would you... Like, they were mostly, like, either painted directly on the wall or mural, these, like... Yeah. Or these, like, big <laughs> pieces, but, like, nobody... They nobody bought they they were done in galleries. Sure. And then they were painted over. Or they're like done in large scale installations and then taken down. And then to reinstall them is a different thing. Like mm-hmm. um and then yeah, in undergrad I did installations that could be commodifiable, but then no one did. No one bought them. Ever. Like I've never like I've and I've never I'm okay like having like I don't want to sell work. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. Like, I don't want to make work to sell it. Like, I don't have any interest in that, um, which means I have to eat somehow. So I don't know what that <laughs> means exactly. But so, so I just feel like I've been like, sounds like you're going to be a teacher. Well, right. That'd be cool. Yeah. If anybody wants to hire me, like straight off this podcast, <laughs> um, I'll this is there. a, f- yeah, this is like a farm team for yeah. like, <laughs> for the industry. Yeah. We're really just trying Come to get to the show. Job. Yeah. Follow Jenna at what? Jenna Lee Richards <laughs> on Instagram. Read your resume just directly into the mic. And my website. Um, yeah. So generally Richard, no, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not going to do that. Dot so, com slash CV <laughs> dot resume. Something like that. Probably. It's on cargo. Um, no, I don't remember exactly what I was saying other than just, yeah, I... You don't have a product to sell at a craft fair? I don't have a product to sell at a craft fair, but I would sit at a craft fair and do something, demonstrate. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. You could also be like Marina July and open up like a curated little shop mm-hmm. or boutique or something like that. Like she's got this huge project right now. Have you seen any of this? Do you know Miranda mm-hmm. July? She's an so. author, actor, or actor, um, performance artist, like really, really amazing um, individual. And in the UK, she's got this charity shop. It's like Goodwill, mm-hmm. but she is actually personally curating all of the, co- like the collection of stuff. And they have like super reduced prices the way that a Goodwill might have Oh, really, that's awesome. but like this is her. This is an art piece, and it's mm-hmm. like meant to benefit. Um, I think it's like an Islamic center or some sort of Islamic foundation. But mm. it's cool. It's in a mall. It's like right next to super high end, like uh, uh, this French uh, boutique clothing company and stuff. And she's just posting videos every day of people coming into the shop. I th- it's it's awesome. It's totally cool. But there are that's many. Still, there are many avenues. Uh, that's still exchange of goods for money. It's just a di- at a different price range that she's not making them, though, right? It's still, like, people come in, they look at her things, they give her money. Oh, so you're totally anti-capitalist, then? Totally anti-capitalist. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Right on. Yeah. Although I do want people to pay me to do things. Yeah, so. people will pay you to do performances. I mean... Will they? Yeah, I've mm-hmm. had, I had professors that were kind of in that realm. Yeah, I think maybe that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but They'll also pay you to install work. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, like your own work or paint murals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they don't have, maybe they just never pay for the physical thing. They just pay for my time or something. That's just a job. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused, clearly. Um, we should, can we? You want to wrap it up? Can we focus somewhere else? <laughs> well, you're a slave till money, then you die. <laughs> so it says the verve. <laughs> Awesome. Mm-hmm. So great. I just want a job, I guess, is really what it turns out to be. Oh, I don't. That's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I can agree. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I have some ideas. I want to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. 
Every, everybody else I've failed as an employee <laughs> at some point or the other. Are you really only like ever servicing yourself? Oh, I service myself a lot, but that's personal. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to talk about masturbation. <laughs> but now that we I mean, are, I'm, no, I'm, are you saying are you saying something like I'm always are my you own, just self serving? I'm like, always my own little like my I'm subcontracting myself out to people as that wasn't what I was saying. Except maybe I am because okay, like so I'm I've, acting as my own agent. That was also manager. not what I was saying. None of this is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, although all I think probably correct is that you, I feel like you get most inspired when you're making work for someone else. As long as you're Me electively, personally? as long as you're electively doing it, it's about like yeah, when you like when you are making either gifts or things that people have asked you to make tables, um, you know, shelves, whatever. They're usually kind of more like furniture. There's this like design challenge. You're helping somebody make a thing for their space. Mm. You take more care in those than anything you ever make for yourself. So there's this like, you really like Mm. to do that. I think it's just about electively doing it. You don't want somebody to say, hey, I need you to do this. It's like, hey, will you do this for me? And you're like, yeah, we can do that. Here's why I'm excited about it. Um, So I don't think that you're actually always serving yourself. That'd be my argument, but... Uh, well, no, I had, yeah, no, I don't know. I've had jobs where people have asked me to, to like, I don't know, the role that I was in as like an artist mm-hmm. for the, for a company. Mm-hmm. That was always fun. Design challenges. You're right. I mean, constraints. I am inspired by constraints, mm-hmm. if anything. So, yeah. so there's that. Cool. <laughs> Luke, what is that Instagram of yours? <laughs> that Instagram of mine is, uh. Just Luke Hewling, L-U-K-E-H-U-L-I-N-G. Do you have a website? Yeah, it's uh, that's also uh, L-U-K-E-H-U-L-I-N-G dot com. Hey, nice. <laughs> that's streamlined, man. That's Luke good Hewling. SEO. LukeHewling yeah. dot com, yeah. What about you, Jenna? You got work up online? Uh, yeah, I'm actually the same as Luke. Uh, LukeHewling dot com. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, yeah, just kidding. It just um, takes you to a sub page. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a sub page. A hyperlink. My work. Actually, I... Took over your website. Yeah, I forgot to renew now, my domain name, and, <laughs> and it now genocide. redirects to my site. Um, <laughs> thanks, by the way. Yep. Gonna cash in on those two thousand followers. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Jenna Lee Richards, and then also on on the web at Jenna Lee Richards dot com. Great, cool. Well, Wait. I'm on Instagram, but whatever. I'm but just been, I've been posting family photos, so no big deal. We also have a an email for this. And an uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram for this. Jeez, it's been a while since we posted because it's been a while since we've recorded. Uh, so. Studio Visits Podcast. At Instagram. or on Instagram. And then we're at Studio Visits Podcast at gmail.com. Yep. No one has sent us a single We can keep asking. Email. Somebody will eventually. What do we want pictures of this week? I just want someone to just write hi or something. I mean, like. I'll, I'll, I'll email you guys. Have you somebody. made it to the Please end of the show? You. Just say that you've made it to this point. Or maybe not. I mean, I guess they would have to to know to email us. Right. What do we want pictures of? I almost said the same thing I said a couple weeks ago because I just look around your room and pick something. Turns out. Maybe about, plant, if they have a plant in their house. Uh, Plants? Art, art that isn't fine art. Okay. <laughs> um, that would... Mm, no, I don't it's know. A, I don't know because that... that that puts one in opposition of the other. Oh, yeah. It's kind right? of a, a hang up. 
Um, or just because art's so vague, so broad. Plants that are you that you feel like are art, art plants. A lot of ponder- open open to interpretation. Ponderosa monstera or whatever. Mm-hmm. Please send us art plants this week. Thank you. Art plants. <laughs> art plants. Um, yeah. So that wraps up this episode. Thanks, Luke, for coming in. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, All right. Well, we'll be back soon with a new episode of Studio Visits podcast. Ciao. Bye.